realistic. So, sorry, I have a question. So you could not have a liquor license today, as we see, everyone has a gun license. I know. So I you know. can have a gun, but you can't have a margarita. Good morning and welcome to the Warrior Queen podcast. This is Swati Bhise with Anita Trehan. And I want to introduce you all to this amazing dynamic warrior because I've known her for the last 40 plus years and it feels like yesterday. But the journey I have seen her take is so incredible, so inspiring that I just wanted to share it with all of you to know how someone can come in and constantly reinvent businesses and work and be successful and keep at it because she's going to share with us today. This young woman was born and brought up in Delhi, came into New York City and embraced the city and how she made it her own. So welcome, Anita. Thank you, my darling Swati. I've loved you from the moment I met you. Um, and our, our journey continues. You, you started my day in a beautiful way by saying my three favorite words, warrior, queen, and young. If I can only remember those, <laughs> and I have to remember those every day. Um, I'm so happy to be chatting with you a um, little bit more formally than we do, but I think one warrior recognizes another and you have been an inspiration. Well, thank you. So one of the things that I wanna share with everyone, my friend Anita is an amazing cook, Indian food, and she's not just a cook. I want her to tell us about her journey as this amazing chef who opened up a restaurant and she's the chef and the owner and lived above it. And in Harlem, I mean, how many, amazing things has she done. And I wanted to talk about this restaurant called Chaiwali, how her journey started and how did it affect you through COVID? So thank you, uh, Swati. Yes, I'd love to talk about Chaiwali. Um, again, nothing really planned in my life, which was, I wasn't a trained chef. I never dreamt about being somebody who would cook outside my household. And like most Indian women, when you say you can cook, everyone thinks they can cook better than you. And I'm sure they can. Um, India is so diverse in its food that I think that the food doesn't just change with regions, but it changes with every household. For me, cooking was a way to ex express my own creativity and to build confidence in myself, because when I first came here to, to New York, I knew no one except the person I married. Um, and some of the, the comfort zone for me meant disappearing into the kitchen and experimenting and feeding people um, so that I could be part of the crowd. And through feeding, I felt really a comfort zone um, by nurturing other people and exchanging ideas. But I never cooked outside the house and I never grew up learning how to cook. Unlike, again, most Indian households, my, my mother, God bless her delicious soul, did not cook except make uh, divine desserts. 
So I did not grow up with a tradition where my mother or grandmother taught me to cook. I just had an incredible palate. It's one of the best things about myself that I can taste something and I can recreate it. And I discovered this later. And why I started cooking professionally as a chef and, and really took that big courageous step was because of the illness of my daughter. My daughter got really, really sick about 14 years ago and could not eat anything. She was down to eating lettuce. And I uh, decided how I needed to cook for her. I tried to order food that was nutritious and tasty, but also didn't have any of the allergens. And it wasn't possible. It either had no allergens and tasted like cardboard, or it you know, tasted tasty and had shit in it. So I decided to start feeding her with the food that I'd make at home, but had to be delicious. It had to have make you want to sing and dance. And I found out that there was nothing like that around. And I felt like that a lot of people probably face the same issues, which is when I decided to start feeding uh, people through a restaurant. And why I called it Chai Wali was we grew up with the culture of chai, but they were always wallas. And I think women are the center of their households, of this universe, of everything. And we are walis. We are people that make things happen. So I called it Chai Wali. And that's where my journey began. Wow, it is so inspiring. But more than that, I have over the years seen you. I wouldn't even call it reinventing. It was just going into different aspects of uh, testing your boundaries. And one of them was when you started the most amazing travel education. I can't call it an agency. It was really the first travel education of high-end travel to remote areas when we didn't even have cell phones. And if you could tell me how you structured it, because I know you took many uh, museum tours and curated them and gave them something beyond a travel experience, because it was travel, culture, food, all of that. So tell us about when you founded and ran Our Personal Guest and uh, what it was like. Absolutely. Um, again, I'm dialing back to the earlier part of my life before the chef part came. And again, it, it's a creative force that I think exists in all of us. And when we tap into that creativity, it was the time in my life that I was trying to get pregnant. Again, I'm talking to women who may be going through the same issues. And I was, um, because I was from India, a lot of people, and I had been in the hospitality industry in India working for a hotel chain. And people would ask me, oh, I want to travel to India. How should I go there? And, and what should I do? It began with India, but of course we went beyond. And I thought to myself that when you visit a country, you don't want to just go to the hotel and meet your driver and your tour person because you never actually access or know the country till you meet the people of the country. Like if you were my guest, what, how would I take care of you if you were my personal guest? And in the Indian tradition, guest is God. So I called it our personal guest. I looked up old miniatures and I found a, a kind of a, a drawing of somebody being hand carried and that became our logo. Somebody sitting on a palanquin and being hand carried. So our personal guest meant that we would, I would explore the country the way, you know, I have to look at it from the first time, uh, from the eyes of a first timer, but also give you in a, in a, in a nugget the history, the love, the culture of the country, and introduce you to some of my favorite places and favorite people. 
take you shopping, take you to on an insider's tour, whatever, take you to somebody's home so you have a meal. So you were our personal guest. Our first uh, trip was with on a, for a private plane with Henry Kravis, Oscar de la Renta, um, and a lot of other celebrities. There were eight people, and we created a magical trip for them, eight or ten people, where they landed uh, for the Elephant Festival in Tanjavur in Kerala, and we created a, a, an airport for them or like to do immigration. Everything was truly special, and we met incredible people both here and in India because people who I didn't know were so incredible in what they did. Um, and it was a, a, a real magical journey where we created fantasy and reality together. Um, and I enjoyed it very much. Amazing. And that was in uh, the mid-1980s? Yeah, well, it started in the late 80s and we carried on till about 2000. So from the, from the travel, which obviously, you know, broadens one's horizon and you were able to bring India and America and other countries more in sync on, on you know, of understanding, which I call the ambassadors today, through culture and art. And then you were passionate about food. For someone who grew up in a very affluent environment, never had to go into the kitchen and start cooking and didn't have a mother who was necessarily cooking, but interested in great food. I think it's so commendable that you just not just self-taught, but you went into what we call the food, which has been nuanced. I know people have written about you in the New York Times and called it nuance. And you've had all the different um, aspects of making sprouted products. I want you to tell us the, that when people think of Indian food, they just say, oh, tandoori chicken and butter chicken. I want to know more about your signature dishes because I have experienced it at your home many a time or the way that you just throw together a raita with pomegranate. I still remember that one. And um, cottage cheese with onion and cilantro. But I just want you to share the healthy uh, delicious food that you have been putting out for so long. Touching on my favorite subject, I can talk about food forever. Uh, because when I actually look at food, I, I think about this book that I re read a long time ago, which was called Hullabaloo in the, in the Guava Jungle or something like that. I used to read to my daughter. And food are like people to me. I can just see aubergines or eggplants dancing around and, and okras doing their own little thing. So Food have, uh, is a lie for me. It like talks to me. Like I have fun with it. I'm very imaginative. There's no rules. There's no this or that. You can't do this. This is the way we do it in our house. And this is the way we do it in that house. This is very Indian way of thinking. And I'm sure it's in a lot of cultures too. We don't mix this and that. People ask me, every Indian used to ask me what kind of Indian food. And I said, all kinds of Indian food. I cross borders. <laughs> Not, we don't use mustard oil and we don't use that. So the food I ended up serving at Chaiwali took the bold flavors of India, because I think there's no one better than Indian to, to take flavors. But I had to be an editor, like a book editor, and edit it down to, because taking all of those possibilities and putting it onto a plate and making, um, I used to tell the people in my kitchen who were all untrained that 
we have to tap into all five senses. When the plate reaches the person, they should the, the view and the vision should be beautiful. You should be able to smell it. You should be able to hear it, which is snap, crackle, and pop. Maybe there's something like it's just fried or it's just, you just put something fresh on it. And then it should, when it touches your tongue, it should express itself with many flavors. So from the simplest things to, from making chai, and every Indian makes chai, I made my own chai masala. And there would be panic when my chai masala would end. Um, I had eight ingredients in my chai masala, and I'll rattle them off to you because it's a secret, but I'll still, because the proportions nobody will get, which is uh, probably unusual. Two kinds of cardamom, black and green, ginger, uh, cinnamon, of course, uh, clove, um, bay leaf and fennel, um, and all in the right proportion. So when I would make the chai masala, again, like ingredients speak to me, I would throw the, the bay leaf first, and then it would say to me, okay, you're ready now for the cardamom. And they would go by, by, I would look at them by texture and how much, it will always be perfectly balanced. One of my most popular dishes, and somebody just wrote to me last week, said that they came in from California, and she said, I want a birthday treat, your restaurant is closed. But is there any way that you can make this for me specially? I know it's a weird request. And I get these requests all the time. Was the ubiquitous kale burger. I never grew up with burgers and nor did you. Burger is not an Indian tradition. But pao is, it's very similar to a pao, which is bread with something fried inside it. And I created a whole menu of burgers that honored my traditions and yet gave people a fast healthful way to eat. And the kale burger was my signature dish. And there were many competing dishes, but this was the clear winner. And I never had encountered kale till I came to America. It's a dense green vegetable. But uh, the way we'd make the kale burger is we'd hand chop the kale to the finest proportions possibly. And I say hand chop. Uh, we would create a mixture with potatoes that was sort of similar to a, a samosa mixture. And then I create a crust that was similar to a pakora crust. Wow. And all three to make this incredible burger that was just oozing flavor, crispness, softness, greenness, everything you could think of, layered on either a gluten-free or a regular bun, along with a gingered avocado and green chutney. It was okay, I'm hungry, Anita. I'm sorry. I want that burger now. It's like I started smelling it. I'm saying, OMG, I really want a bite of this crusty burger and that to kale burger. Amazing. You've described it with such love and passion. I think it would immediately appear in front of each of us and we can smell it. That's, that's really fun. Like my lamb chops or vindulu lamb chops, but it had nothing to do with muddy vindulu curries you see in most restaurants. I had, I had Caribbean yeah. flavors in it, and they sang. Um, um, I had hummus, which is not Indian, but I made it with an achari topping. I made my own achar that went on it. And you cannot imagine hummus and achar together. It is to die for. Um, so, you know, we, we, we are of the world, and all food traditions should not remain within borders. We are people of the world. And the best exchanges is, you know, learning from each other. Absolutely. But it's not 
often everyone can do what you've done because especially in today's New York City fast-paced life, most people don't even cook at home. And here you are feeding hundreds and hundreds of people. And I think it's not just creditable, it's something I wish um, maybe maybe I can urge you to give classes to everyone on, on, on how to make quick, healthy meals because people uh, who've not grown up with this kind of food culture that you at least uh, were surrounded by, that they don't even know how to make a basic soup. And everything is packaged food, which is unhealthy and frozen foods and supermarket pre-cooked meals. And um, and for, for you to have produced amazing food with, which is healing, which is home cooked, which is nuanced, which is allergy free, which is seasonal, is just um, a very unique concept because in India, everything is seasonal. If you can tell me what was it in winter that you would really um, be able to use uh, to, to cook? Yes, yeah, so um, again, I would say my, my, my menu was about 80% vegetarian, gluten-free, vegan, but I did have to take care of a couple of meat lovers. So I didn't dictate how I did it. But I, I did, for instance, I'll tell you a dish, India's beloved butter chicken. But I kept it very simple. It, it has basically tomatoes, butter, garlic, ginger, and some aromatics like saffron and things in it. But I made the sauce rather than with tomatoes, I made it with carrots. So it became a two for one. So the sauce, the butter chicken sauce, I, this was one version that I did. I did, I actually combined carrots and tomatoes together. And the richness of that dish, warming for the winter, the chicken of course was, again, I used halal or kosher meat. We would make the, the ball from, you know, with fresh coriander and everything. And I would make chicken, instead of butter chicken, I made them into balls butter chicken balls. I was picking up from the culture that I was here because people are used to meatballs, Swedish meatballs, Italian meatballs, every culture has a meatball. So I made butter chicken meatballs, but I did them in a carrot tomato base. And if you were, if you were not that subtly attuned to, to food, you wouldn't even notice the carrot. You would just notice the, the richness in it. So I gave you an extra oomph in your dish. I gave you vegetables when you weren't even, didn't even know you were eating vegetables. Or I did, I used a lot of dill, for instance, in, in, in yogurts and things. Again, dill, very green and, and warming. Um, the, the first thing also I had to do was that I had to teach the people in my kitchen who are not people who are tuned to food culture at all. They needed to fall in love with the food as much as I was because it, it's no good just being a robot. You have to, they used to try and beg me for the food could they take some home and we never had leftovers never <laughs> well finger licking is what your food's been called by all reviews so why would there be any leftover but i also know and heard that you were always bringing in the neighborhood to feed them and you had created a huge community in harlem and if you could share a little because for women, it's so important to have a community and we're community builders, we're nurturers, we're givers, which is all about us being warrior queens and which is what we want uh, young men and women to hear people like you, where they should be inspired to see the journey that everything is not easy. It's about the grit 
and the desire to go after the passion of who you are. Because as we have in our film and the project, we say you are a wife, sometimes, mother, daughter, sister, friend. But above all, you should be a virangana, the warrior for yourself, the advocate for yourself. And so I'd love you to share how you became this amazing community giver and nurturer in Harlem for everyone. So a lot of people ask me why Harlem? And um, I don't have a clear answer to it other than I walked the street one day and I felt I was back in an Indian neighborhood where people were curious about you. In, in New York, for instance, you can live next door to somebody and never meet them. That's not the same in Harlem. Like people are curious. They'll come up to you and ask you why, what, where, like a na real neighborhood. And that struck me. The other thing that struck me about it was they didn't have access or there wasn't this kind of food. And so I, I jumped in. And when I jumped in, I found a real community. Um, I found people who were curious, who wanted to try my food, who were like, I don't understand this food, but I love it. And then who would come back and who would, they would be committed to telling you, and they are not shy, what they like and what they don't like, what they want. The first day when we opened, we had a competition uh, for, to give people free chai for the first three people who came in through the door. By 5 a.m., there was a line that was going around the block, and they didn't even know what chai was or what they were going to get. I still remember the three people because I became really good friends with them. Two were women, and the third was a guy. Um, but he then wrote to me after saying that he was actually the first person, but because he was so gentlemanly, he held the door open. Open for the <laughs> so he should also be get the free chai. Anyway, we I have held marriages and uh, baby showers and celebrations of every gender and every class and every community. People who have fallen in love with Chaiwali. People who, even when we were closed in the pandemic, said this is where I had my first date. Two guys and said is it possible that we can come in there? I said, I'll open the restaurant for you and I'll give you a bottle of champagne. And we did. Uh, we committed a deep roots in the community from uh, people who have lived there for hundreds of years to another, you know, to other diverse people, whether they were Indian or Chinese. I met, met so many mixed people who lived there. Um, and it was really, you know, getting to know them and they, they'll remember, for, be friends forever. The, the pizzeria down, down the road, which was a couple who came from Milan and who've now opened a pastacheria on my block. An actor, Stefan Ryder, who, who is a great friend and just got married and had a baby. Um, amazing women, men, all kinds of people who have opened my eyes to a different color, a different culture, and a different way of life. I met West Africans and people from Gambia and Guinea and uh, fish from the from the Ivory Coast, all things that exist in New York that I didn't know that were right under my nose, and I I love that you know God opened this window in my life. Absolutely, and through you opened it up for other people as well, because you know you've shared so many of these stories. Is there any message that you have for someone else who is trying to be an entrepreneur and? wants to open a restaurant and follow through in that passion. Any words of wisdom? 
Um, I mean, specifically, I mean, for an entrepreneur, um, I would say, people say, go for your passion, this and that, and all that kind of stuff. But I had somebody speak the other day who was maybe wiser than me. And they said, make a list of things that you're very good at and make a, th a list of things that you like doing. They're not the same. Things you like doing, you may like singing, but you may be a horrible singer. Uh, <laughs> but things you uh, are very good at, so tune into that. You may be really, really good at um, making one incredible dish or, or be an artist or uh, being somebody who can read a page in a minute. So you have to understand the difference of what you're good at and what you like doing. So focus on that. Uh, as far as opening a restaurant, I think it's, people will always open restaurants because they are, the, the, they are where people socialize. A block without a restaurant is like a, a dead neighborhood. This is where people come to eat, drink, celebrate their lives, celebrate their milestones, meet other people. It becomes a social hub. So it's really important. It's a tough, 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 tough business with razor thin margins uh, of if there are any margins. So you have to really understand what you're doing, where you're doing, do your homework really well, um, see where the money comes in. Some places have liquor licenses, that helps. I did not have a liquor license because I was next to a school, so I could only serve a limited amount of beer, wine, and I created my own line of liquor, which is another conversation. But, you know, just be realistic. So, sorry, I have a question. So you could not have a liquor license today as we see, everyone has a gun license. I know. So I you can know. have a gun, but you can't have a margarita? I mean, when, really? When it, it makes absolutely no sense on, on many levels because that school was closed when we were open. Meanwhile, there, there's plenty of people hanging out for the uh, school, smoking all kinds of pot and everything. Right. Else. No, I, I bring it up because, you know, as a woman, you've gone into Harlem, you've taken a brownstone, you're working morning to night, you're running an amazing restaurant, you know, you go through two years of COVID, you go through, you know, having to follow city regulations, but somebody who came in as an immigrant and broke down so many barriers, it's infuriating for me to hear even that people can carry guns, but they cannot give you a liquor license while kids are exposed to guns. They themselves are carrying it. They're getting shot with it. And we have people having selling drugs on, uh, on cell phones in New York. We've all brought up kids here, so we know how that works. So um, it, this just, sorry, but opens up a whole new uh, can of worms that are we really following rules or is it harassment? And I call it harassment. So that's how I see it, just as someone asking you questions. I feel you completely, Swati, and I, I feel very angry about such things too. Um, they make absolutely no sense. There's some very archaic laws that make no sense, um, both as supporting a business, a restaurant, and the people around it, the children, you know, all this, the, what you're talking about, guns, I mean, so it's beyond ridiculous. Like you said, you don't even have to be 21 years old to have a gun. But we are like strapped with so many complications. But like somebody else said, when they go low, you go high. What I learned with not having a full liquor license, and I mentioned that as part of the earlier question that is important for your revenue stream of your restaurant. And most restaurants make a lot more, more money on their alcohol sales and their food. 
we were the opposite. We made more money on food. So we were shown another way. I also discovered a way that was totally legal using the alcohol level that, that the, the um, state liquor authority allows you to use to infuse my own my own drinks and I, in, I learned a way of infusing by teaching myself with herbs and things like that which will probably create a new career for me so like I said when they go low you go high we find some way or when one door closes many more open so that's why I, I thank you Anita because what I have got out of the essence of chatting with you today is never say die never say I'm throwing in a towel just keep going from one strand to the other because every career is a layer upon layer and you just open up and open your horizons and live in a global community and global world. And you have just um, inspired many, me too. And I feel excited that I have had a journey of knowing you and seeing you grow. And um, I'm excited to see your next step because I'm sure it's going to be yet another challenging path because you only like challenges. You're a path breaker. So thank you for sharing all of this with us. And if you have any closing thought for our viewers and listeners today, do let us know. I would love to. Um, I feel like, you know, you have been in my life for a reason. And I think of you very often, even when I don't see you that much. And I feel like when you've picked up this word warrior, you've set off like alarm bells in my head because <laughs> it's not about wearing this big, like um, bulletproof armor and going through life as a fighter. It's quite the opposite. And I call it like in the world, they call it the X factor. I think you should call it the W factor, which is, and Corny as this might sound, I just was looking at the word warrior and I was writing down the words and I was thinking, what does it mean to me? So, so bear with me as I close with this. So I use the word W for wah, which is the first cry that a, a woman takes. And then you start wondering why and who you are and what you're doing in this world. Next comes A, open to all, all possibilities. All kinds of possibilities will come your way. R, which is ready for action. There are lots of R's in, in, in warrior. And when you're ready for action, things happen, obstacles. Thing, life pummels you, all kinds of stuff happens to you. The next R is about resetting yourself, reaching and resetting. And then the I, which is being inspired, a very overused word, but you cannot be inspired enough. I'm inspired by my dog or a butterfly outside or whatever inspired and illuminated so you're one of the people who's like been always illuminated you know you i've seen you like go and do school programs and where you they, they're bored and they don't want to listen to Bharatanatyam and you get their attention and you never dumb it down you bring them up and that's illuminating inspired and illuminating and oh observe and I am constantly observing, even a little insect crawling across the floor and how an ant builds a home and all that kind of stuff. And because you're one of a kind. So O for observe and uh, one of a kind. And R, the last R, uh, the last R, we have so many R's, reflect and renew. Keep reflecting, renew. And I wish there was an L for laughing out loud because that's what you need, lots of laughter. That is so beautifully put, Anita. I think 
we at the Warrior Queen are going to use it. We just think it's so beautifully put that you're right. We don't reflect and observe women as we grow, forget to laugh out loud. And we have to laugh even at ourselves and stop blaming. I always say to everyone, I didn't come with a handbook. I did everything to the best of my capacity and knowledge. You don't like it, you probably don't have good taste. <laughs> so it's, it's really about us celebrating women, celebrating all the warriors in our lives around us and sharing their stories for this next generation to really understand it's never going to be easy. Life was never meant to be easy. It's about taking the bull by its horns and running with it. That's the legacy you're leaving. More than money, it's the legacy you leave to the next generation. Absolutely. Thank you from one warrior to another, but thank you so much for sharing your inspiring journey. And may we have you back again when you tell us what you've done next. We're so excited. So am I. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.